1: Welcome to the timeline a phoenix suns podcast with an emergency episode just a few days after our last podcast on this feed because the phoenix suns have finally hired a coach and a coach that may have surprised many of you out there my name is mike here with sam sam how are you doing hey man it feels good to have some legitimate
2: news to talk about it feels good to be back on our first emergency podcast in a little while i'm a I have opinions, but you know we'll get into it. I, I I just I'm glad we didn't have to go into another weekend uh, wondering who it was going to be. We were about to record an episode just for our Patreon feed, to be honest with you, and we were like, oh, we have to like kind of retread the same names uh, and on the coaching carousel again. And now we yeah. don't have to do that. Now we have a guy. We can go peacefully, maybe not so peacefully into uh-huh. the draft process and then free agency. The and what? obviously there's <laughs> there's lots of trades. We have the 52nd pick, I do <laughs> okay, remind okay. you. So okay. technically, hopefully our scouts are doing their work. But um,
1: step one is complete. We should have a draft guy on here to give two names and then one fake name and see if the two of us can guess which one is We're going to... We're going to have <laughs> which one is fake? We're going to have Damon on, I think. Okay. Later we'll have at some point. <laughs> we we <laughs> have to have
2: Damon on. He's it's kind of like a yearly tradition at this point. And then we'll just ignore everything he says. But
1: let's talk about coaching. <laughs> um the headline is Bill Simmons was wrong. He lied to all Suns fans. He guaranteed on his podcast it would be Kevin Young and it's not. The Suns are hiring a guy with championship experience in Frank Vogel, a guy that I think throughout the process of us talking about the coaches at times forgot he was being interviewed <laughs> because he was not in and my by the way a fascinating thing but he was not in Woj's initial report of the coaches that were being interviewed Woj didn't even know that he was being interviewed and now he won the job and and you know the Suns were out there interviewing a ton a ton of guys and ended up picking Frank Vogel and I think that is a credit to what he said in the interview probably. Um, I'll give a quick thought on this and of course we're going to dive much deeper into it but I think that the consensus by most people was some version of happy that it was going to be Kevin Young because the players liked him or just sort of accepting of the fact that it was going to be Kevin Young. And I personally was closer to that second opinion where I thought hiring Kevin Young is not a home run in any way and it does not excite me at all and I think it was dangerous to hire someone that has not been in the playoffs and been in that hot seat making those decisions. Now they hired not Kevin Young. The possibility of Kevin Young sticking around is something that we can talk about in a second. But they hired Frank Vogel who has experience took a team all the way to the championship, has coached multiple playoff teams, and is sort of someone who is lauded for his adjustments, defensive mm-hmm. adjustments, mm-hmm. in the playoffs on guys, uh, on different teams. And I find myself to be not bowled over, not excited, not blown away by this hire in any way. And I think that was the case with anyone they hired unless it was Ty Lue. But I do think that, I am maybe part of the group that is kind of happy that they hired somebody that has experience for somebody like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and not necessarily disappointed uh, by this hiring. Uh, How do you feel, Sam?
2: I think there are a lot of factors that are going to go into it, so I'm going to give the really annoying response of it depends, but hopefully we're going to cover all of those um, options over the next 30 or 40 minutes or however long this pod is. I think this could be great. It really, really could. Um, but I, I just think it's telling that in the weeks that we've been going through this process, as you kind of said there, Vogel was easily the least talked about candidate. I mean, he was really the least talked about, except for like maybe a Jordy Fernandez who was ruled out at some point last week, who also would have been a first-time coach. Um, but it really felt like Frank Vogel was the guy we weren't talking about at all. We we gave yeah. a decent amount of airtime, and not just us, by the way. Everyone in the in the Phoenix media. Gave a decent amount of airtime to the idea of Doc Rivers as the worst case scenario, it felt like. Uh, And we definitely talked about that. Gave a decent amount of airtime to the concept of Nick Nurse, which would have come with its own pros and cons up until he was hired away. Uh, And then obviously Kevin Young was sort of pushed as the... Um, first of all, the X's and O's mastermind, if you will, but also young, hot, and hip, to quote Gambo, and <laughs> someone who book was really pushing for is, or or was, yeah, you know, well, yeah. Gambo Likes. is now he's now pushing back, <laughs> yeah. Gambo is yeah. now pushing back on that specific reporting, but those were words that that were said about Kevin Young at one point. That he is a guy who, at at the very least, we know has book's respect. Frank Vogel, on the other hand hopefully has these guys respect. I would yes, hope he's from Kentucky, which I think, right. You know, I think Devin that Booker, helps. Yeah. I would hope that they don't make this higher without the, the firm opinion that he's going to come in a uh, championship pedigree coach and have the respective guys like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. But the matter of the fact is uh, Vogel has a two decade career in the NBA, but he has no former ties with Chris Paul uh, or Kevin Durant, or or Devin Booker, which is just a little bit interesting. Not that a coach right. needs to have those at all. It's just a little bit interesting. A guy who's been around the NBA as long as he has. Obviously, he was with Indiana for basically a full decade. Uh, so that explains a lot of that. Had a brief, unsuccessful stint with Orlando uh, in the mid-2010s, which you know basically is the case for every Orlando coach for the past uh, 15 years or so. Um, and then, The highlight of his career, I guess you could say, going into the bubble, winning a championship with the Lakers, a couple of injury-plagued seasons with the Lakers after that, ultimately getting fired Mm -hmm, in 2022. mm -hmm. This was the first year he had taken off in, again, uh, close to two decades. Um, So a long-storied career for Vogel, definitely a a much more reputable uh, defensive coach than he is offense. And I think that's going to be very important that we talk about and, and touch on what that means. For the Suns going forward. But yeah, I mean, a guy who in theory should command respect, right? He's got a championship ring. It's more than you could say. He for- invented verticality. <laughs> he in- <laughs> is that is that what they say? He invented it?
1: I mean, <laughs> that's when people started talking about it was his Pacers teams with Roy Hibbert. With Roy Hibbert at the beginning. I mean, he yeah. turned somebody who was like an ineffective player in Roy Hibbert into a uh, a, a good defensive center. Which, by, by the way, did not last. Roy Hibbert went back to being ineffective relatively quickly after that. Uh, but yes the the idea of Frank Vogel is not one of uh, offense I think you're right every team he's had that that is good and healthy has had a really good defensive rating uh, you know every single stop he's been at
2: even um and even his magic teams which were not good by the way he only lasted two years and I think who was his starting center there was a Must have been?
1: Probably, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, Even those teams, which sucked, they were like 20-something win teams, were better defensively than they were offensively. Everywhere this guy goes, for like 15 years straight, the trend has been his teams are better on defense than they
1: are on offense. And it's an interesting thing, too, to talk about that coming after Monty Williams because Monty Williams was also a very good defensive coach, but the thing that Monty Williams lacked was the ability to sort of improvise with his team as the conductor In the playoffs, you know, making those adjustments that people don't expect. He guarded Luka Doncic pretty much the same for seven straight games. He guarded Jokic pretty much the same for six straight games. And the question of what they want to do after that has sort of been answered by the person that they hired. They hired somebody that will likely be able to adjust things on the fly in the playoffs because that's just what he's known for he's a guy who pays attention uh, to defense. Now I think you know if you're a Suns fan or even just you and I I don't know how much that excites you. I it it it's basketball. So it's important. But I do think we watched this team struggle offensively, but so much of those struggles once Kevin Durant was here was related to personnel. Hmm. And by the way, this whole conversation is completely tied to that. Because how good a coach can be of yeah. is all dependent on how good the players are. So, you know, like, well, we, we can talk about offensively and what's going to happen there, but like, the, the players have to be set. So, and that's the only way we're going to have any idea how good they can be. So, that's
2: really important, actually, because it, it is reminding me of a question that like 10 people have asked me on Twitter already, and I've just seen other people throwing around and discussing yeah. to each other. And it's a really important question, which I think is does Frank Vogel being hired make it more likely? that Deandre Ayton stays with the Suns or even that Chris Paul stays with the Suns is another yeah, variation yeah. Of that question that that I've seen from people and this is where look we could talk about Vogel we could talk about the intricacies of the offense versus defense that's an interesting question and I have my opinions but for the most part I think it doesn't matter as much as the personnel which is why when we start to ask the question or when we start to 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 put out the theory that Vogel was hired to be this defensive mastermind under the idea that he can come in and completely rejuvenate DeAndre Ayton's career, that all of Ayton's problems that we've seen over the past five seasons were entirely related to uh, Monty Williams and not related to himself. (laughs) Um, like That's where I start to get scared because to me it's more that Vogel could be really good, Vogel could be really bad, but a worst case off season for me is one where we trick ourselves into fully scapegoating Monty Williams and believing that uh actually we have a new coach so it's fine we can keep the same personnel uh you know right. well he'll rejuvenate run it back. <laughs> yeah run it back Aiton's yeah. value will rebound Chris Paul it doesn't Chris matter Paul, that he's, he has brand new knees Yeah it doesn't yeah. matter that he's literally <laughs> a million years old like that is yeah. where it starts to get uh stupid to me is we've seen plenty of evidence of this team's shortcomings at this point Coaching was part of it. I understand the the necessity even to get rid of Monty. I, I, I understand it. I still like him, but I understand it. Good for him, by the way, since uh, he yeah. got hired for an absolute bag in Detroit. That happened since yeah. the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. But I understand, and I also understand the concept of Devin Booker and KD got us on offense, at least for the most part. So I understand yeah. if you want to pivot towards a defensive-minded coach, I get all of that.
1: It's like a 90s team makeup, right? Let these guys isolate everyone else is there to play defense. <laughs> but the idea of just <laughs> that like that we're
2: going to we can just run it back. It's impossible. It's impossible I, I, to me. It is it unfathomable also, it, to me. We need it, way more change than that to get where we need to go.
1: It also kind of flies in the face of all the reporting that we've heard since the uh since the playoffs ended. And that is that it wasn't just Monty Williams that was frustrated with DeAndre. And there were others. And the implication was teammates, which is what Tim McMahon said. And Zach Lowe expanded and said that many within the organization were done with him. So, you know, I just don't think that Frank Vogel is going to show up and, and after having watched the Suns for a few years and go, yeah, no, we got this. But the other thing is, it's not just about DeAndre and as a, as a player individually, because we've seen that he can hit high highs. It's possible, but it's also just about assets that the Suns have in order to improve this team. He's the best one we got. You know, he's the best trade chip that we have. As long as there's one or two teams that still consider him good value on his contract, which you, you know, know maybe, yeah, you know maybe the Suns are out there canvassing and going, okay, nobody wants him for anything of value. Maybe it's better to keep him. I I doubt that. But I think if you're trying to look at the holes that exist in this team and you're saying we have a center who is not primarily a defensive center who likes to screen and and, and roll, who probably wants to use up more of the usage rate in order to get your offense uh, going. And that's not a good fit with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And then you have all these other holes which is wings and scoring and even potentially actual guard depth because we don't really have reliable guard depth at either starter or backup. And you say, how are you going to solve that without trading somebody like DeAndre? You know, so I, I very, very, very much doubt it. I understand that the, the instinct of people is to look at Frank Vogel's previous teams and go, oh, center was important on defense, and then try to apply that to what the Suns have. I understand that, you know, but this is just, it's a different, it's a different type of team. And I think that in order for the Suns to improve, they have to, you know, they have to look at every avenue other than trading Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. And that means that trading Aiton, it's still their best option to improve in this offseason. To your point also about, yes, center is an important position
2: for every Frank Vogel team. Now, in some cases, look, he had Anthony Davis. Bit of an yeah, outlier of course, with, yeah. with the Lakers in terms of what Anthony Davis is able to do and obviously his, his value, and he was a former number one pick. So that, I suppose, is a little bit similar to Ayton. But then you have the opposite case, a guy like Roy Hibbert, who we were talking about earlier in the episode. Roy Hibbert was a nobody when he entered the league. I think it was a late first-round pick. Vogel developed him into a—I don't know if it, it's— too dramatic to call him a beast, but he was he was kind of a
1: <laughs> one of the most important defensive centers in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, uh in, in his two years that he was good. Yes. Um yeah, I mean I,
2: I imagine Roy Hibbert in today's league. Maybe he could have done like the Brooke Lopez thing and been, you know, learned to I don't know, <laughs> but learned to shoot threes and then been the most important rim protector in the NBA. I don't know. Or like Miles Turner is today, obviously, right? Um but regardless, a player that he was able to develop who did not Miles have Turner, yeah great expectations placed upon him there's no reason that they couldn't necessarily do that again with another center it doesn't have to be deandre ayton making 30 million dollars i understand the argument that you hope that ayton under a coach like vogel could learn to to give a crap consistently but again he's an asset we need assets he's the only player who could maybe return a young player or or some sort of draft capital out of everything yeah, that we have multiple players potentially yeah landry shamit ain't gonna do it what are we gonna trade landry shamit for guys right. we're gonna fill all the holes with that we're gonna fill the holes with chris paul did you hear our chris paul episode last week <laughs> we tried we tried our best if you haven't heard it go back and listen to it we tried our best i think there are some decent trades in there this week
1: yeah mm-hmm. but it's like
2: it, ayton's the guy he's the guy who has to go out
1: By the way, just a quick tangent, we planned on recording our Patreon episode, a continuation of that Chris Paul conversation right now, and of course we pivoted to talking about Frank Vogel, we'll have a Patreon podcast up probably tomorrow, uh, covering more on the coaching stuff and Chris Paul, so patrons who are waiting for that one, sorry about that, soon though, uh, this is, I think, a little more important (laughs) at this point. But we talked about DeAndre, and we should just quickly touch on Chris Paul as, as it relates to him. Does it make it more likely Chris Paul stays either? I don't I don't think so. I think there's a chance that, you know, if you listen to that trade episode, as, as Sam pointed out, if you listen to that episode, and I think that the biggest reason Chris Paul might stay is because you probably can't trade him for something good. It's really hard. Uh, and, that, you know, that's the difference between him and DeAndre at this point. Um, look, if, if Chris Paul has trade value, I think they'll probably explore that and trade him. You know, um, But if he doesn't, if they feel like he doesn't return something good enough uh, for what his value is on the team, then uh, maybe maybe they won't. Uh, it so, sucks.
2: It yeah. just sucks with Chris because if this were two years ago and he was still at NBA Finals Chris Paul level, yes, I understand he got injured in, in that run too, um, but he played through it. If he was still at that level, I would almost say, yeah like fuck having an offensive coordinator chris Paul's the offensive coordinator you know like it's it's fine that's that's chris paul's role on the team the unfortunate part uh, about doing that now is that chris just doesn't have the on-ball value himself like yes he is still kind of an offensive coach if you think about it the way that he sees the floor runs the sets uh but he just doesn't bring that value you'd rather have the ball in bookers or kevin durant's hands basically every possession And so, yeah, it's not that we talked about it last week. It's not that Chris isn't still a talented basketball player. It's not that he's no longer an NBA player. uh, Same as Aiden, just not an optimal fit with this roster. We got to do not super reliable. If you take anything away from this conversation, guys, it's I think Vogel can be great. I'm excited to have
1: a defensive minded coach for the first time in I, I don't know how long has it been? Yeah, I mean I thought Monty was that when he was hired, but it turned out he was kind of an offensive guy. Monty is <laughs> yeah, Monty kind of had that reputation. Um they told us
2: that Terry Porter had that reputation <laughs> in 08 09, which is a little yeah. bit which is a little bit scary. So let's hope that yeah. this is let's hope that this is better than that. Um It will I'm, be. <laughs> I'm excited. I really am excited. Like this could be great, but we need way more. This is step one this is like okay you talked you gave matt ishbia because ishbia is a businessman you gave him your elevator pitch that's great you beat out doc rivers doc rivers is is bereft his streak is over in all likelihood because how many head coaching jobs are still available i think there's only one toronto yeah. toronto so unless Maybe doc the rivers goes there celtics yeah yeah that's I true don't know what they're gonna do that's true but um it's we're not running it back, okay? <laughs> well, Get that idea out
1: of no, your heads. No, no. Pro- well, we gave our opinions on DeAndre, and we gave our opinions on Chris Paul. Now, as far as Landry Shamit is concerned, I haven't checked to see if Frank Vogel has a daughter, if she's single, <laughs> or if she's married. But once I find that news out, we can figure out if Landry Shamit's going to be part of the future for the Suns. Now, we're talking about current Suns players. Can we talk briefly, just quickly, about former Frank Vogel players that the Suns could potentially look at? Uh, because there's a few that are kind of interesting. Have you thought about this at all? First I, of all, I didn't I've, prepare you for this. To be
2: honest, I've not thought about this yet, but now I'm Googling Frank Vogel daughter, and I feel like a creep. <laughs> feel like a creep. Um, let's talk about his former players. According to Google, maybe he does. All right, let's keep going.
1: Okay. Um, Kyle Kuzma played for Frank Vogel. Yes.
2: Okay, Th- that is the one name that I
1: have thought of. The Alex Caruso mm-hmm. played for Frank Vogel. Just throwing that one out there uh miles turner played for frank vogel so it's not enough to me though that these guys have played for
2: frank like has kuz i honestly haven't followed uh kuz's career enough i feel like like has he said in the past has he gone on a podcast or said to the media well i love frank vogel i mean i I wish i could always play for coaches like frank vogel you (laughs) know
1: (laughs) and he's not under contract but look that's his only championship but he's not under contract. Uh, so, yes, him liking Frank Vogel is important. But to me, like guys like Caruso, Miles Turner, guys under contract currently, it's more about Frank Vogel getting guys that understand his vision, yeah. understand what he's looking for, and can help reinforce that vision in the locker room. You know, uh, Kyle Kuzma, when he got to the NBA, first of all, he completely overperformed his draft selection and was in the running for. Uh, rookie of the year but it was almost entirely because of his offense it wasn't until frank vogel was coaching that team that he became a player that was capable of playing championship level defense and allowed him to play minutes on a run to the championship Mm -hmm. you know so like obviously that's good (laughs) and it's kind of changed who kyle kuzma was as you know i don't think he's been quite the same defender since then not a terrible one but I do think that has it changed been, his career, made him a more effective player on a good team. That's true. You know, has,
2: has been a much better offensive player or, or just you know more is demanded of him, obviously, a lot more in the offensive role since then. But hopefully he can still tap into that defense. I think that's the biggest and most important point as we look ahead for what type of players, not just the ones who have formerly played with Frank, um, but, but what type of players we need in general, is if we're going to have this defensive-minded coach yeah. who's basically just going to give the ball to KD and book and say, okay, right. I- right. isolate it. The offense is in your hands. Then everyone else that we need to surround them with does need to see a very particular vision. They need to be kind of the antithesis of a DeAndre Ayton, actually, to be honest, because <laughs> yeah. they, they we can't just have players where it's like you need to, keep them honest by feeding them and giving them touches yeah. and only then will they try on defense because we're kind of already tacitly admitting that there aren't going to be a lot of touches. The touches in a Frank Vogel offense probably are all going to KD and book. So the rest of the players kind of need to be uh, Josh Kogi types. Now, hopefully they can shoot, but by Josh Kogi types, I mean guys who like just take pride in their defense and they understand that that's why they're out there. Alex Crusoe, that's a great example. A guy who knows he's not going to touch the perfect, ball a whole man. lot. It's just going to shoot perfect. threes and defend yeah. his ass off. Like that's... And he
1: can guard multiple positions, which I think is a valuable... Defensive versatility matters for for a coach who... That is 100%
2: yeah. the type of players Taylor made for for a Frank Vogel uh, team. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, in order to have a team that is capable of doing the things that Frank Vogel will likely want to do, the Suns can't just build a team of offensive play. You know, Terrence Ross is gone, for example. You can't. Pro- you probably can't have Terrence Ross on this team, uh, you know, unless he's the only guy like that coming off the bench. Uh, you gotta have players that are capable of guarding, and not just guarding. The idea would be multiple schemes and multiple positions, and they do have some some players like that already. In Kevin Durant and Devin Booker can do that, you know. You could try to make the case that DeAndre it could be that, but we haven't seen that in years, and even in this season, like you know, I saw Tim. Uh, Krangis, even in the season that he was touting as his best defensive versatility year, as compared to other starting centers, he was middle of the pack when it came to defensive versatility based on their own st- stats at B ball index. Uh, so, like, I, I think he's gone probably. You know, maybe you make the case for Miles Turner from that perspective. I'm not sure if that's somebody he actually likes in Frank Vogel or if the Pacers would even still be interested in DeAndre and after the last year that he played in Phoenix. Um, but, you know, they, they're going to have to shift their focus as far as the types of players that they want. I'm sure he wishes Mikael Bridges was f- still here, for example. They need guys like that, capable of guarding at a high level with high IQ and guarding multiple positions. And that, look, I'm not asking for something easy here, but if your focus is that and maybe slightly less on their ability to, to execute offensively, it might be a little bit easier <laughs> to find those guys than it is if you're looking for guys that are really great at both things, which is an impossible task.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, but you can't go all the way in that one direction, right? Because again, we've seen the shortcomings of this team yeah. offensively in the playoffs too. Yeah, and that's just yeah. the part that scares me is it's like, I remember us beating down the Lakers uh, this season after they won the championship, right? And there were flaws with that team. I I understand they struggled with injuries throughout the year. LeBron only played 40-something games, but like that team was 24th in offensive rating on that season, I think, and they really struggled to make any sort of offensive adjustments in the playoffs against us. I remember following Kranjis and seeing his tweets every game during that series complaining about why is there so much iso ball? Why can't we uh, attack a a simple double team in the post? You know, like, why can't we answer these, like, basic adjustment questions on the offensive side of the ball? And so, look, the Suns absolutely need a lot of detail-oriented players who are going to fine-tune their defensive games. I 100% agree. Um, It's just, you know, there is still reason to ask questions here. There is still reason to worry. There is absolutely reason to want the Suns to bring in uh, a great offensive coordinator because everything we've learned from Vogel's tenure in L.A. is that he probably needs one. Uh, And and I don't know how much playoff success this team is going to have without one, right? Like, how good can a coach really be? At the end of the day, how good can I say a coach is if he only focuses on one side of the floor?
1: Well, uh, thanks for the transition there. Uh, Kevin Young is rumored to potentially stick around. At the very least, it sounds like the Suns are interested in him sticking around and being sort of that offensive side of the coin, for Frank Vogel now the question of course in that conversation is would he do it and you know because it takes a lot of humility to stick around at a job that you were not chosen for and be the assistant coach in that scenario one thing I will say uh money talks (laughs) if Kevin Young is looking for an assistant job you know, and yes, maybe he's already signed it for the next few years or something with the Suns. But yeah, maybe give him a huge raise if you want him to stick around. There's step one in trying to convince him to stick around if that's what you're looking for, um, from Kevin Young. Um two, I mean there's only one other head coaching job open. If Kevin Young's not available for that job, then he's gonna be an assistant coach. And I don't even and, know, did he I think he did interview for I don't for, think he interviewed. No, actually yeah, I think I think he did interview for the Toronto job, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so like, you know, they have the opportunity to hire him. If they don't, he has to be an assistant. And now the question would be, would he rather be an assistant in Detroit or Phoenix? Yeah. Well that's and, that's and what important. would that help him with future job opportunities? And I think Phoenix would probably be better when it comes to future job opportunities, right?
2: Look, to be honest, you know, I like Kevin Young a lot and I was gonna I was totally prepared to get behind him as this signing, but the truth is he's forty one years old. Like there are lots and lots of coaches who who need to have more experience before they get their first look at an NBA. I mean, remember when when we hired Igor and he was a first time coach, I think he was 48, 49 at the time. And he had spent like 18 years in the NBA level uh, as an assistant coach. If you look at Kevin Young's resume, and I'm not saying it's a bad resume by any means, he's coached overseas, he's coached in the G League, and he's been in the NBA, so he has experience. But in the NBA, he was hired by uh, Philly for the first time as an assistant only in 2016. And since then, he's kind of just—you know—he's only ever worked with Monty Williams, being yeah, with Brett, Monty, Brett Brown, and Monty Williams, with yeah, Brett Brown, Brown head coaches. Yeah. with Monty Williams in Philly, and then with he followed Monty Williams to Phoenix. So he doesn't have a ton of NBA experience. He has a good amount. He's got seven years. I don't think it would hurt him though to stick around on what's going to be another contending team and kind of have the opportunity to diverge from Monty for the first time in his career and uh, create more of an image or a brand for himself that hopefully he can take into the next round of interviews. And maybe you lose him in a year because he's gonna be the guy at the top of these, at the top of these uh, interview searches again. But uh, I I, I certainly hope he sticks around because he is exactly the type of modern thinking offensive mind that we need next to a Frank Vogel um, in order to put this team in the best situation.
1: Yeah, I I think, His name was out there immediately from Gambo. By the way, the winner in all of this is Gambo, right? <laughs> Gambo was the only guy. He's batting pretty who talked well. About uh, talked about Frank Vogel as a serious contender for this job. He was yeah. the only guy. And he was sort of, you know, we noticed and we talked about it in DMs that he was he was kind of prepping Suns fans for Frank Vogel to get the job in some replies that he had on Twitter and the way he was talking about it. And, uh, and he absolutely uh, nailed that reporting, in, in, in nobody else did, I think. Everyone else said Kevin Young. Um, but he immediately said Kevin Young could stick around. Woj then wrote it about it as well uh, in the ESPN article and also mentioned that the Suns would like Kevin Young to stick around. So we'll see how that negotiation goes for the Suns. Other names that have been thrown out there, Fisdale, Dave Fisdale, former head coach, somebody who's worked with Frank Vogel in the past, um, Phil Handy, who is a development coach for the Lakers, um, and is currently, I believe, a development coach for the Lakers, and could leave uh, to join um, Vogel, and John Pastoric, who's a video coordinator, I believe, or an assistant, and video coordinator for the Lakers is another name that's thrown out there. Not that I know any of these guys. This is from Dan Woik. I don't know how to say his name. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, there's just guys out there that are good and assistant coaches that have been in the NBA a long time. None of those guys, I think you can say, are the offensive minds that we want. Now, if Kevin Young is that, and look, we don't really know what Kevin Young is. We're all speculating based on how certain people have talked about him in the past. But if he is that offensive guru, that offensive mind that uh, that we want him to be, then they better open up the uh, wallet a little bit. And, yeah, and pay all I him know to stay.
2: All I know is that players don't, you know, players don't typically talk bad about their assistants, but they also no one's forcing them to say nice things about their assistants That's true. either, and. If Devin Booker says you're smart and Chris Paul says you're smart, I am inclined to believe that they are correct. Yes. <laughs> so that's about all we know uh, yeah. about Kevin Young. But you know, I like I said, I bought into the hype. I bought into the propaganda, if you will. Maybe it was propaganda, um, but I believe that he has value to bring to an organization. And I certainly don't know a whole lot about those other names you just mentioned. So uh, Kevin yeah. Young's probably my pick <laughs> for offensive coordinator if he's willing to stay. Um, I know that
1: Lakers fans and media seem to speak really highly of Phil Handy. I don't know. Was he involved with like Austin Reeves heavily or something? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, We'll have to do a little more research on that one. Maybe by the Patreon podcast tomorrow we could have some more information there. Um, I'm guessing if Kevin Young is not staying, I'm guessing we're talking about a whole new staff for the Suns next year which is you know kind of sort of the sad part about all this but monty williams has the opportunity to fill out his staff in detroit and if these sons coaches uh need new jobs i imagine they're going to have the opportunity to interview for some of those jobs in detroit um quickly on, on detroit monty williams hired and was signed to the largest contract known for nba coaches in the history of the nba to sort of save the detroit pistons <laughs> and uh it's really cool. I mean, like I'm really happy for Monty Williams that he got this job. I'm also really happy for Detroit fans. I can't imagine uh, like a better and more hopeful situation for a team that has struggled in the past and now is looking at a offseason where they have cap space, they have draft picks, they have good young players, and now they have an interesting coach with a track record of bringing a team from the depths of despair and to the NBA Finals <laughs> in the recent <laughs> passed and it's really cool the the recent Detroit
2: history is kind of weird did you realize that Dwayne Casey lasted a full five seasons in Detroit yeah yeah isn't that like a quiet five seasons um yeah hopefully Monty can do his best I know Detroit fans suffered a little bit of a kick in the groin with moving down in the draft um they were obviously one of the teams that was involved in the Wemby sweepstakes but they've still got young talent there um They've got a healthy Cade coming back who is really going to be the centerpiece of this new Monty offense, and I think he's going to be an exciting player for him to work with as a tall playmaker who sees the floor well, so I'm really rooting for him. They've got other young talent as well across several positions, but yeah my jaw kind of dropped when i saw the amount that they were willing to bid yeah. on him to be honest he's he really must have said no at first right they must have, must have. Just kept
1: pushing that number up and up and up he
2: is getting paid twice as much and frank vogel by the way five years 31 million dollar contract that's no small sum but monty is getting double that
1: <laughs> yeah
2: so to that point from a son's perspective i don't know maybe that saved i mean it's not like the sons were gonna we're gonna extend Monty for 12 million dollars but maybe that saved a little bit of money in Ishbia's pocket if he now wants to target a better assistant staff or or something you know assistants don't make nearly as much as head coaches so it really shouldn't make too much of a difference but um, who knows also for the record I thought this was an interesting uh, tidbit of info Uh, credit to Michael Dunlap for this who put this on my Twitter feed that Frank Vogel five-year contract right Monty Williams, you remember, originally got a five-year contract with the Suns as well. He lasted four. Uh, no Suns coach has lasted a full five seasons since John McLeod was fired back in 1986-87. Wow. What are the odds that Frank Vogel makes it the entirety of of this contract? In your opinion, uh, I'm going to put it. Know. I'd put it at like
1: ten percent. Well, five like percent. We're looking at we're it's looking hard. At what. Kevin Durant has 3 years left, right? Yeah. So we're looking at the 3 years of Kevin Durant's career. That is the main focus of this part of Frank Vogel's career and and he knows it, right? The 5 years is because you got to convince someone to take the job, right? You can't give them a 3-year contract and they're a lame duck coach the entire time that they're here. Well, and arguably you got to make sure that they're showing something. Uh, you know, is some level of confidence in him,
2: and also that's guaranteed money. So, arguably, if you're a coach, this is a really stressful job, and the end term where you inevitably get fired after three or four years and get to pocket the rest of the cash anyway—that's the best part of the job. Go take a right. yeah. take a vacation for a year or two.
1: Yeah, it's like most likely a a thirty million dollar three year contract. <laughs> I mean that that is really what it is. Um, you know, but like hopefully it goes well, right? I mean, the ideal scenario is that they figure something out. Devin Booker really connects with him and that he sticks around for a long time. Um, but, you know, that's just not the reality of the NBA. You look at, you know, I know Miami just got whacked in the first game uh, of the NBA Finals, but you look at the the luxury that they have of the stability in their front office and coaching positions, they just don't have to think about that. I mean, there's such a luxury in that. Not to mention the weight behind what the coach says when the players know that the coach will be there even when they're not, is different when they're talking to a coach that just has a few years left on his contract and is on his fourth team anyway. Sure. It's just a different thing. There's such a luxury in the Miami Heat having that ability. So the ideal scenario for the Suns has always been find your SPO. It's just so hard (laughs) to do that. You know, there were times I think where you and I were hoping it was Monty and Monty would be around 15, 20 years or whatever he could be. Um, but look, the pressure that comes with trading Kevin Durant—that that's immediately when his job was potentially on the line, and that led to where we are today. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. I think that's that's the plight of the coaches in the nba it is it is just
2: so hard to keep
1: because every time you exceed expectations it's so
2: hard to keep playing to those expectations and can yeah. to continue exceeding expectations every single season um is kind of the standard that a lot of coaches are held to and it's impossible to sustain that for more than maybe three or four years at a time so you know i do think a lot of owners have and, and gms have too quick of a trigger when it comes to firing these guys but they all understand that it's the name of the game um, well,
1: in order for a GM to keep their job, yeah, somebody else has to take the blame. Exactly. Right? You know, that's yeah.
2: they're the number one scapegoat for a reason. So how soon before we get, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, like someone's going to ask Book or KD a question about this at some point. Right, but also right, it's, right. it's the off season. So there's no like direct media availability right now. How soon before we get some sort of word from the players or even a rumor? I mean, you have to think.
1: Like no, they, they would, I mean,
2: Chris Paul's texting Chris Haynes as we speak. <laughs> you think? They would be stupid not to have yeah. briefed book about a decision this important, right? Like it would he, be psychotic. It would be psychotic.
1: They need to get him on board. They don't need his permission. They need him to be on board. They need him to buy in. And if he's completely resistant to it, they have to rethink their approach. But they need him to be on board, 100%. It's not, you know... It's it's not like a normal job. Devin Booker is is making significantly more than that coach. You know, in one year he'll make more than his five year contract. Devin Booker. So like it's important to get him on board, and of course Kevin Durant as well. Um, of course that's that's important, but you know this franchise sort of starts and ends with Devin Booker. And if Devin Booker's on board, I'm sure he can get Kevin Durant that's, on board as well. That's a flex
2: that he could throw out during some heated moment in the locker room. I make more than you make your entire five-year contract. <laughs> he could say that at some point. Yeah. But no, like, I mean, if it's obviously it's got to be a guy he gets along with. You don't want him tuning out a voice for however many years. Um, so I'm sure they briefed him in some sense. I just wonder how, how long it's going to be before we hear anything from those guys. It could be a while.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see and parse through that as we go. And and you know what? We'll we'll be here every single step of the way, recording twice a week uh, in this off season. And yeah, you got anything else on on, on old Frankie boy uh, before we go? I know we don't usually do this. Can I just get your like
2: excitement level on a scale of one to ten? Like, if you had to grade this move okay. right now as a first step, yeah, I'm at like a six and a half. In that, I feel. I mean, does that mean like slightly optimistic, but not like excited because if I were truly excited, we would have been talking about this guy more over the past couple weeks. But I think, I think it could turn out really good. And I think on the whole, it's a positive move. That's my assessment.
1: My suspicion that it was not Kevin Young peaked in the last two days. Cause I was like, all right, they would have done it by now if it was Kevin Young, something's going on. And I sort of looked at everything else that was out there. Cause Nick nurse was off the table. And I sort of settled on Vogel and said, "You know what? I could talk myself into that <laughs> being a good idea." And I'd still say I'm like a five and a half or a six, and I think that might be the highest that I could have gotten
2: <laughs> given the remaining candidates. Given on the, board. the remaining, candidates, yeah, where would you yeah. have been for a Jordy Fernandez? Oh, Jordan by Fernandez, the way, five and a half, six. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, It's probably
1: the same. It's
2: important to note that. Someone who responded to you, and I forget who it is, so I can't give credit, but unearthed video of Vogel saying fuck uh, during a game. So this is a guy who's going to drop some F-bombs. He's not going to be as squeaky clean as Monty. I think he's going to pick up some techs. I don't really think that makes a difference when it comes to like coaching talent and real ability out there on the floor. It's not as funny. I think it makes you know, like
1: Monty after big games saying, "You guys played freaking great." (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just so funny. I think I think in a way it does make him more memeable though, and I think it may you know
2: it endears him to fans. Oh,
1: he's one hundred percent more memeable. All we got from Monty was a faint squint on the sidelines for two seasons, and then he got his eyes fixed, and that ended. Frank Vogel is going to give us some of the funniest faces that we've ever seen on the sidelines, and. He doesn't really. He wears suits that are too big for him. I know they don't wear suits all the time anymore. Does he still wear suits? Dude is not fashion forward. I don't I think, think in the Lakers he was wearing the the Lakers gear now. The like Lakers the gear, yeah. Do I stuff. don't think any NBA coaches
2: uh, wear suits anymore. It would almost be funny to be like the only if coach who <laughs> still wears suits and like really <laughs>
1: oversized suits at that. <laughs> <laughs> the Michael Jordan cut, yeah, uh, yeah. He's definitely gonna be more memeable. I agree with that. Yeah, so I'd say like five and a half or six. Yeah, that's about where I would be. I think for Kevin, I think for Kevin Young and Jordy, I'd probably be at a five, five and a half. Um, those guys, to me, I felt the same way about um, the, the 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 way the players like them did not really impact. You know, how many coaches has Devin Booker had in, in his career? A whole bunch of them. So you know, the the perspective might not be quite the same. Not only one of them has been good <laughs> in his entire career. So. Um, yeah. All right, cool. That's all we got then. Shout out to Frank. Good luck to him. Uh, welcome to Phoenix. Um, and I'm interested to see how this goes. We're going to see how he fills out the rest of his coaching staff and we'll talk about things as it comes through. If you have ideas for other players that have played for him in the past, I'd like to hear those. It's always fun to picture that and see if there's other people that maybe we didn't think of that could be on the market for the Suns. Uh, Back tomorrow, I think, with a Patreon podcast talking probably some more about this along with some other Chris Paul or potential other fake trades. And uh, if you'd like to join the Patreon to listen to that, you can join at patreon.com slash the timeline and join our Discord where we make silly jokes about the Suns all day long. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back very, very soon.